Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we are talking to John Groves. Thanks, Curtis. Always a pleasure to be here. And always a pleasure to have our Fit for Work CEO, Dr. John Groves, on the podcast with us. You know, today he's digging a little bit deeper and talking about something he was really passionate about when he was practicing as a physical therapist. And he also completed a postdoctorate fellowship in and kind of around the topic of integrating pain science. And today he's talking about some complexities and complicatedness around. On that topic. Yeah. So when it comes to pain science and interactions with an injury, he talks a lot about how there's this idea that there's one thing that can fix all your problems. And he really dispels that mentality that these type of interactions, they are a complex situation and they require more things than just one simple solution. So that how coming at pain and these injuries and these claims, how coming at it with the right mentality, and it's kind of a philosophical question, if you will, but how that mindset makes it so much better for you working with injuries in the workplace. It's not just, you know, treating the problem, but how getting the pain involved and how the, you know, the person's expectations. There's a lot of complex things that need to be considered and brought about. And so that way, this complicated situation, while complex, can be very much managed correctly instead of creating unnecessary hostilities. Yeah. So join us in understanding the complex versus complicated aspects to work comp claims and preventing injuries on site. So John, we're going to be talking uh, about a, a topic that you are obviously very passionate about that Amber and I know, but just something for our listeners to kind of help bring them into the full knowledge and bring them up to speed on this. And perhaps you can talk about what you did in your previous life, if you will, as, as you were practicing physical therapists and as you were doing your post-doctorate fellowship in and around uh, this particular topic. So if you can talk about what pain science and how it is an extremely critical and central to everything that we do at Fit for Work. Absolutely. And thanks thanks for having me again. You know, pain is the center of a lot of things that we'll be discussing, injuries and whatnot. And so looking at the complexity of pain, a lot of times people uh, underestimate how little we know in the medical community about pain. And, and what we're finding is that we're kind of attacking it the wrong way. And so in my previous life, as you mentioned, going through all the advanced competency training as a physical therapist in the postdoctoral fellowship, et cetera, et cetera. In that was a lot of evidence-based education around pain. And so carrying that from a clinical uh, aspect to a preclinical aspect where we where we focus on the, on the injury prevention, there is a exquisite opportunity to use what we call pain science to help folks that aren't formally injured yet. When you look at the pain as an issue in the United States, and if you, you know, just to orientate audience members of varying backgrounds, you obviously have probably heard of the op opioid epidemics. You know, one in five people are in chronic pain. And that's a tremendous amount of people. It tells you that we haven't figured out pain very well yet. We haven't created systems to, to help pain. And then when you look at for employers, especially with physical and repetitive environments, musculoskeletal injuries are often their number one cost. It often accounts for about 60 to 70% of the cost in self-insured environments. So, you know, it's a big deal to understand pain correctly because pain is the center of any claim. You can ask any, uh, and I'm sure if there's a claims adjusters listening to this podcast or case managers, uh, a lot of head shaking will go on when I say a case or a claim can be held hostage by a subjective complaint of pain. 
and then those types of things, if they're if they don't change, they end up being, uh, you know, it's a long haul, but eventually they're demedicalized and they're kicked out of the system. Doesn't mean they're any better. Doesn't mean the system helped them. Doesn't mean that their pain is gone, unfortunately. It just means they've reached the end of the medical road. So all these things happen because of the misunderstanding in and around pain. So yeah, it is It is pretty central to our theme here at Fit for Work and me personally and in my career journey on the, on the clinical side and crossing over to the light side where we try to prevent the injury from happening in the first place, I find it to be uh, a very critical part of the conversation and a good place to start. You know, John, you and I have talked a little bit off the airwaves around this topic. And I'm just wondering, can you just explain again, why is pain important to our listeners in relationship to musculoskeletal injuries? I know sometimes this water can get muddied a little bit and our on-site safety personnel, HR, everybody, the work comp claim specialists, they're worried about the injury. So Can you just briefly again explain how those two go together and why this is important for them to to know about today? Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're talking about let's 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 use an industrial setting, an industrial athlete setting, somebody lifting twenty thousand pounds a day, for instance, which is, you know, a reality for, you know, a lot of folks in those environments. And you look at the variability in the perception of pain that the brain will provide. And so everybody has seen two people, presumably with a very similar injury, one gets better and comes back or doesn't miss any time, and the other ends up having back surgeries on disability and settles out of court. You know, and so how can that happen? How can that variability of happening? I mean, if there is one way to treat this, if we understand so much, how come it can just be vastly different? And I think when you look at, you know, the understanding of pain, there is understanding that there is a wide variety of responses to that. And it's not just one or two things that make make that a big, big problem or a big difference. There's a multitude of factors that come into there. And now what we're understanding is that you can actually impact those factors. You don't just have to be subject to them as medical providers of all different types, even claims managers, even supervisors, we can all impact those. So when you're trying to understand why does pain versus injuries come into play? Well, pain drives the injuries and pain, the perception of pain is the difference between somebody who says, ah, that's a minor soreness to, oh my God, that soreness means is spells the beginning of the end for me. And I'm going to go into the system and I'm going to get MRIs and I'm going to get injections and I'm going to get surgery because that's what I perceive to be the, the pathway to get there, whether I need them or not. And of course, when there's a medical system that doesn't spare anybody from doing things to them, there's no shortage of people that want to do things in the medical community to, to folks in those scenarios. You can see where the perception of pain, if you get that right, the injury either never happens or when it does happen, it happens in an appropriate fashion and you can get the appropriate care for it. So I think that that's, it's a great question, Amber, and uh, coming back to people, they're talking about claims, OSHA 300 logs, et cetera, et cetera, from a recordable injury standpoint. But it really starts with the individual's perception of what is happening to them. Is this a threat? Well, and I think that's really powerful when you said that the claim or the pain is the center of the claim. I think that's really the heart and soul that people, from the perspective of the patient, they're looking at it from the pain, but from the business, they're looking at it from the injury itself. And if there's a disconnect between the two, as anybody knows, you have a lack of communication, that's when relationships break down. So it seems like you're talking about this whole, there's a complex versus 
complicated paradigm. And that's something we really wanted to talk more about. Could you explain the difference between, you know, when there's a complex versus a complicated interaction with these individuals and why this matters and how this is different than just splitting hairs or a play on words? Like, how do you treat this and take it from complex and complicated? Absolutely. So kind of the concepts we've talked about here today thus far is pain is the center of the claim. And there's a misunderstanding of how to interact and treat and, and help pain. And again, if you know, you can only look at the opioid epidemic to understand that you can't just toss a pill on pain and make it all go away. So you have to understand we, we in the United States have really struggled to deal with pain effectively when 20% of our population is in chronic pain. So there's more factors involved than meets the eye. And that's where you start looking back even a step bigger is, is this problem complicated? Is pain a complicated problem? Or is pain a complex problem? And what's the difference between the two? Am I talking some mumbo jumbo? Is it splitting hairs or some play on words? I think a couple of ways to look at this is complicated problems can be solved with predictable rules, systems, algorithms, things like that. So think about Google's SEO formula or how life insurance works, you know, you know how people can use predictable tables on life expectancy, how much, you know, you could save for retirement, things like that. Those are complicated problems problems. Uh, A lot of inputs, but things like algorithms and things help you get to the end of that. A complex problem, on the other hand, is something that needs to be managed. And that has infinite unpredictable variables to which the reaction cannot really routinely or accurately be planned. And so when you look at the variation in injuries, again, I went back to that example where you have one individual has back pain and another individual, they look very much the same, but they have very different outcomes. You look at the severity of those types of situations, that's a classic case of Pain is complex. If it was as simple as just, oh, you have a pain, here's a pill, it'd be gone, it'd be over. We wouldn't be talking about that. So complexity or complex problems really need to be managed. And so when you look at this in terms of if you're a, a safety professional or you're in charge of risk or you know trying to keep your employees safe, it's important not to take a complex problem, grab a solution that solves a complicated problem, apply it to it, and expect a positive result. And so that's really like where the difference in understanding what kind of a problem are you trying to solve? Is it a complex one that needs to be managed? Or is it a complicated one that, yeah, it's complicated, traffic lights are complicated, but can you solve them through predictable means in kind of automated fashion? Speaking of traffic lights being complicated, I just got pulled over for running a red one the other day. But anyway, so pain being complex, we've talked about pain. We've talked about the difference between complexity and complicated. Give us some examples on why pain is complex. There's a lot of different components to this. And so pain is widely misunderstood and and how to treat it is widely mistaught in medical schools. That's not my opinion, or not just medical schools, but in any medical profession, that's not just my opinion, that's well documented. And so it's often misunderstood. And in Western medicine, it's kind of classically taught that you know, damage happens to the periphery, pain nerves tell the brain, by the way, there's pain down here. And really what it is, is there's all sorts of signals coming into the brain. And the brain then perceives those things and says, hey, is this a threat or is it not? And again, you go back to what I talked about earlier. Somebody says, wow, I have a soreness in my back. No big deal. I've had it before and they move on. 
they perceive that as not being much of a threat. Somebody says, man, I have a soreness in my back and oh, this is the beginning of the end. Clearly a series of factors, a lot of different things that go into that decision-making process for that person places that soreness now on a threat level that's not even comparable to the other individual. And here begins the beginning of why we have such variability. So I think, you know, simple classical examples of look at little kids when they first fall off their bikes and skin their knees. Some kid, I know we have a neighbor kid that plays with my daughter and man, that kid whacks his head on the countertops. He falls down, he wipes out on his bike. I don't think I've ever seen him cry. And to his mind, it's like, ooh, well, that, that wasn't fun, but it, it's no big deal where other kids will wipe out and scream bloody murder. It's the exact same injury. It's the exact same severity in the real cosmic view of it. But the perception of the threat of that individual drives a very a vastly different experience, a vastly different response. And so I think that's that's um, uh, certainly one example. You know, there's another one that's uh, I think a really great example. There was a study done on demolition derby drivers, and in their quote unquote demolition derby driver careers, if there's actually such a thing, they studied them. They had on average 1,500 motor vehicle accidents. You know, the equivalent of 1,500 motor vehicle accidents in their quote unquote career. And out of the 40 that they studied, one reported some level of chronic neck pain, one. And if you think about how do you have 1,500 or the equivalent of 1,500 motor vehicle accidents and have one person out of 40 report some neck pain, imagine if you had a fleet, uh, you know, some fleet drivers that had 1,500 uh, motor vehicle accidents each. Of course, they wouldn't probably be around long enough to <laughs> to be on your payroll with that. You don't think record. so? <laughs> <laughs> but, but can you imagine the amount of disability and cost that would have gone into 1,500 motor vehicle accidents, right? I mean, it's, it's such an absurd comparison. It almost isn't worth uh, talking about too far, but what's the difference? The difference is as a demolition derby driver, the threat level is low because that's indeed the whole point. I'm going to ram this car. That's fun. That's why I do this. This is the goal. So the threat level of, of ramming into somebody in a demolition derby situation is low versus in a you know industrial setting or something else where you have an, uh, a motor vehicle accident. So that's a, those are some classic examples of you know when you look at the complexity of pain, you can't just say, well, they had a motor vehicle accident, the equivalent of it. So they had pain when you look at the huge disparity and the lack of issues that they have, again, coming back down to perception of threat. So those are some examples that pertain to that. It's true. I mean, I, I had a great time as bumper cars uh, as a kid, but uh, you don't like it so much as you get older when it's unexpected and you, you have to pay for that car damage. So... <laughs> A quick break in our interview to talk about safety compliance and something that's also cool is on-demand safety compliance. So what do I mean by that? Fit for Work understands that no one professional can house all the necessary areas of safety knowledge and skills needed to keep your facility and organization compliant. We also understand that in addition to budgetary constraints, uh, the need to be compliant is not a one-time thing. This is why in addition to our core per-project consulting services, we also also offer very affordable safety subscription services to allow your team to have an ongoing partner in safety compliance. Whether you're just getting started or improving on a more seasoned safety program, our experts are here to provide compliance solutions that will both prevent injuries and improve productivity. Get a hold of us by visiting our website, wellworkforce.com and clicking on connect with us to learn more. 
But I mean, well, let's talk about uh, warehouse workers, for example. I mean, they move on average about 20,000 pounds a day. So, and, and then they have back pain that comes on to them. If you look at it from their perspective, anybody who's had back pain that comes on, it really, really hurts. So how would you talk to them with that perception of the threat? I mean, how is that going to play out and what are the factors that you think they can go through? Absolutely. And as someone who's had quite a bit of back pain myself, I can certainly relate to the acuteness of back pain. And what happens with back pain in particular is the acuteness of it is significant enough to give people, wow, something must really be going on. When in all reality, it's often kind of like when we stub our toe or jam our fingers, those really hurt too, right? <laughs> you get up to go get a glass of water in the middle of the night and you stub your toe. Worst pain ever. Oh, yeah, worst pain ever. <laughs> the good news is, is that every you know, there's not a lot of chronic pain coming from stubbed toes because the, the perception of what that is is yeah, it hurts, but everybody everybody understands that's not a lifelong disability process, right? So a back pain is similar in its severity, but it's it's often misunderstood. And the other part about that is is when you you know have the same you know stub your back, if you will, you can't buddy tape it to the next finger and you know or whatever and move on and, and be functional. And so it's very painful. And what happens is is you end up getting into the medical system where they start taking you know pictures of things, MRIs, and finding that oh you have degenerative disc disease and you have torn discs and all sorts of scary words that you would assume are the reason that you have pain when you look at back pain, you know, 80 to 90% of us have that in our lives anyway. So it's extremely common. And those findings are more common in people who do not have pain. Those MRI findings are more common in people who do not have pain than those that do. So they're a little bit like wrinkles on the inside. So again, you go to back to somebody who's lifting 20,000 pounds a day. They have a soreness that doesn't allow them in the next day or two to lift 20,000 pounds a day. That's different than maybe a sedentary job where you can, you can alter your positions, you can sit, you can stand, you can get by. But lifting 20,000 pounds a day is a little bit bigger deal. And so it tends to escalate the threat level at that point. And you tend to get into the system a little easier. And then you tend to get, because you get in there, and then MRIs and those types of things start to happen. And all of a sudden now you're seeing all these wrinkles on the inside and you think, well, geez, this is the reason I'm having pain. Look how bad it is. It's the degenerative disc disease. I, I caught a disease of some kind when really they're just, you know, kind of like, you know, you drive your tires down the road, 20,000 miles, there's some wear on tear on them, but it doesn't mean that they're ready to be replaced. And so, you know, when you look at it from a warehouse worker's perspective or any industrial athlete's perspective, it's different than a sedentary worker. They have more things to consider with that throw on top of that, you can get nervous. Of, you might have financial constraints and nervousness, or am I going to lose my job? Or my uncle Melvin had a back surgery and there you know, something that the supervisor told me that, oh, his uncle Melvin, you know, had it and never, never was seen again and all this kind of stuff. Those types of things can really accelerate that perception of a threat to that individual and really create some challenges for improving and having that pain experience be something that resolves. So we've talked about how this this complex and, and complicated relates to pain in relationship to injuries. Can you talk to us a little bit about how this works and how it doesn't in term of terms of like actually preventing the injuries? Absolutely. And I think 
you know, our whole focus has been, let's prevent the injury. We want to prevent Humpty from having the great fall. Let's not, let's not have Humpty have the great fall and try to put them back together again. And so applying the understanding of, of how you can adjust people's perspectives and adjust their pain experience with people who are not even formally injured is extremely important. And so when you look at pain, pain is really the heart of it. And injuries are pain. Pain is complex. It needs to be managed. And so these are complex human interactions that need some form of one-on-one interaction or interface to sort through all the context and perceptions, all these things that we talked about. It's, it, it simply cannot just be automated, and, or at least not completely. Uh, it's not, for instance, just about ergonomics even though that's part of what we bring to the table. I'm telling you, it's not just about ergonomics. It's not just about proper lifting. It's not just about a proper proper symptom response process. If you have the perception that, man, if my people could just all lift correctly, you know, there would be no injuries. That's an absurd statement, knowing everything we've just talked about in terms of the complexities of pain. So, you know, when you look at how this works, how you actually, you know, if, if you're in charge of trying to prevent things, in charge of injury prevention at your employer, making sure you don't try to simply say, well, it's this one thing. I'll just do a pre-shift warm-up and bam, it'll be great. Or I'll, I'll, I'll do this ergonomic project and everything will be fine. Will they help? Absolutely. But understand that it is a, a, a problem that needs to be managed versus solved. And one of the things that we see is a huge influx of technology, in particular wearable devices, into the system. And, and we haven't seen that come through as a complex solution. Why? Well, because uh, or I should say a complete solution. Why Why haven't we seen that come in as a complete solution? Do they help? Absolutely. But are they a, a total solution? No. And I think when they first kind of entered the market, that was kind of the perception, whether it was pushed that way or perceived that way, really didn't pan out. And the, the problem or the reason for that is those things solve a complicated issue. Algorithms that predict an outcome can do it. Pain is a complex issue where you need to manage that issue all the way through. And so it can't just be automated 100%. And of course, you know, you have a lot of developers that jump into the system that have had a lot of success using this type of automating a lot of other problems. Let's talk about Uber. They solved Uber. Why couldn't they solve pain? Well, connecting a driver and a rider is a complicated issue. It's not a complex issue. Managing somebody's pain, on the other hand, is very complex. And so when you look at solutions and how do you approach this, again, you got to understand what solution you're trying to solve, but also kind of be aware that there's not one total solution out there, not one thing that you're going to do that's going to solve the entire thing for you. Well, I'm a big believer that the number one cause of disappointment is false expectations. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds no, like, absolutely. yeah, so it sounds like that that's the whole thing about this is every single one of these solutions, quote unquote, is that they all come with the false expectation that they are the problem solving magic bullets. So can you talk about just some of the things I mean, when you talk about automation and how fit for work, we are trying to use early intervention and then also something called fit for work predicts and how those play into this and in using that information to make interactions better. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We just had a uh, conversation on LinkedIn last week. Somebody brought up that you can't use AI to predict the outcome 100%. And that individual was 100% correct. That's exactly what we believe. And so we've been using early intervention as a way to manage the complex issue, right? You meet a complex issue with, you know, complex human interaction so you can handle the perceptions and the, and the contexts and all those kind of things. And that's that's been tremendously effective way to manage injuries because you hit it from multiple areas, ergonomics, symptom response, 
behaviors and all sorts of different things. So you can you can hit it from all a bunch of different angles. Now, what we also did is looked at, can we use, is there an algorithm within our data, our interaction data that helps predict who is going to be the next person with a soreness? And so we went through a process, hired a vendor, and indeed we do. I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of data points every year in which to find an algorithm. And we do have that. Now, what does that do? Does that tell you for sure that the next person who's going to have a soreness? No. But does it increase the probability that, okay, these people here have an increased probability of having an issue and we've identified it with the algorithm. It's just another data set available to our on-site providers who can have those interactions. Now, we've been doing this intuitively and very successfully for 25 years without this data. Now we just have additional data. So it's in no way, shape, or form ever meant to be the complete solution. Hey, look, an algorithm is going to just solve all our problems. We knew going into it that that pain was complex. It wasn't just complicated. So we knew going into it, this was not going to be the silver bullet, just like nothing is the silver bullet. You have to really handle and manage this and choose your solutions to, to allow you to manage it versus, oh, uh, you can dust your hands off, walk away, and hey, look, I, I instituted this one thing and solved my issue. So Fit for Work Predicts kind of helps the onsite early intervention be even more accurate, but in no way, shape, or form is meant to solve uh, the issue in and of itself. John, we've got a lot of um, site safety specialists listening to our podcast and anybody else who may be in charge of injury prevention on their work site listening today. What's the overall takeaway? Summarize, what are they getting out of this whole, this concept of, of complex versus complicated? Yeah, I think uh, overall, I'd say, you know, prevention is multifactorial. There isn't just one single thing you can do that eliminates it because we're dealing with humans who are emotional and do dumb things. I mean, all of us, you know, that sometimes defy logic. And so understanding what problem you're trying to solve then helps you chart your course when you start to, to pack your solutions around that. And when you do that and do that well, obviously the right choice in solutions will improve your accuracy and your outcomes. And so if you provide, here's an example, if you provide some lift training, whether you do that internally or from an external vendor, that's, that's a great thing. It's not a bad thing at all, but don't sit back. And to your point, Curtis, what you said earlier, you know, in terms of expectations and disappointment, don't sit back and say, well, you know, it's just a, these people just don't know how to lift. And uh, therefore, I'll, I'll I'll just do this, and now they're suddenly able to lift, and we won't we won't have injuries. Like I said earlier, you know, if if you have the perspective is, gosh, if everybody just lifted correctly, no one would ever have an injury, is really an absurd statement. It's not. There's just not a silver bullet. So I think from a as you're sitting there trying to craft the solution, how do you do this? Understanding that you know prevention is multifactorial, and be careful of the lure of the you know a silver bullet, whether that's one type of training or some sort of a wearable that you know is going to solve the world. They're all can be part of the solution, but make sure you understand that you know pain prevention and injuries is multifactorial. It's not one thing that that does that, and so that you go into it when you're making in, you know investments and proving that investment is worthy to your superiors. You're not coming up short when you would predictably come up short because you're applying a solution for a complicated problem when you're really trying to solve a complex problem. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time and breaking down the importance of understanding the, the proper approach to these complex interactions that we have. And uh, we appreciate your insights, John. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
Always great to have John on. He's just has so much experience and understanding and being able to know where people are are struggling and bringing in that insight. I, I just want to bring back to that overall topic. And something I brought up during the interview is that how much disappointment comes from false expectations. People, they bash their heads against the walls. Why don't people just do this? Why don't people, why can't they just get better? Instead of, it's not that the problem's the problem. It's the way they're addressing the problem. That's the problem. So the fact that people come in with that false expectation of they just need this one thing and that's going to solve it. I love how much he brings into that proper perspective. It's more complicated than that. And as long as you can manage and change those expectations, you can relieve a lot of that stress and burden that can be on you even and allow you to address the problem more directly and more completely. Yeah, I really liked how he defined that pain is complex. There are a lot of different factors that come into why a person feels pain and the different examples that he used as far as, you know, a couple kids falling down and getting the same injury. One screams their head off, the other one jumps up, brushes it off and moves on with their day. Or even the demo derby drivers. I always loved going to the demolition derbies at the county fairs. And it's true, you know, how many accidents are they in just in a night? But yet this is kind of what they what they do and they go on and it's not necessarily a threat for them. So I just want to remind our listeners, we actually did a really deep dive into pain science and understanding pain more with Adrian Lowe during our first season. So if this is something that's interesting to you, or you want to dig a little bit deeper and and understand more why pain is so complex, look back through our archives, check out the conversation that we had with Adrian Lowe back in season one. Also, John has got a blog topic out about this as well. So head over to our our website, wellworkforce.com. Up in the upper right-hand corner, there is a button for our blog. So click on that and you'll have some more written down insights from Dr. John Groves. That's right. And we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.